Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey everybody, Froth here. Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Really appreciate you listening. So thank you very much for checking checking out the show. It's Top 3 Tuesday. So I've got some, I think some really good topics. A couple of them suggested by listeners. So um, I'm excited about talking about some of these things. You know, I'll give a top three on various RPG related topics. I had some several call-ins that we're going to get to first. Uh, a few are just kind of general or they don't, at least they don't suggest a, a top three. And then we're going to get to the the two uh, listener call-ins that have top threes. <clears throat> I would say that I actually had a, a couple more top threes that I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to save until next time. Simply because, you know, Hump Day Bloggerama usually runs about an hour and my session recaps are, you know, often over 40 minutes. I'm trying to keep these a little bit more manageable, a little bit easier to digest. Um, but uh, so I had an, an extra couple of uh, requests. Um, one from Cody M. He, he gave me two, so I'm going to do one today and, and then one next week. And then I got one from Colin Green that is it's going to be really good, and it's left field, but um, I'm trying to do these in, in the order I got them. So I got, I got an extra one from Cody and, and Colin all lined up for next week. But like I say, if I have like five things, uh, we'll be here all night. And I know you all got to move on, you know listen to some more anchorites and check some stuff out. So I'm going to play a few uh, call-ins that I got, and then we'll get to the topics. Hey, Froth, Evil Jeff. Just heard your uh, podcast, Top 3 Tuesday. Uh, one quick comment there. You did your dice, and uh, you and I are pretty close there. Uh, number three, number two, uh, spot on there. But actually, my number one, I don't have a little D6 I like, but I actually bought a D100 back in the day. Looks like some little golf ball. It's got small little uh, pebbles inside of it to help slow it down so it doesn't roll forever and ever and ever. Uh, it's a great sound. Almost sounds like a maraca. Yeah, you pull that bad boy out and roll it. And as, especially as a GM, they see that big honking die and they're like wondering, what did they just get into? It's a great intimidator. But that's, that's just my number one. Have a good one. Hey, what's up, Froth? This is Joe Richter, uh, first-time caller, but I've heard so much about you from the Dicer Screaming. I love those dudes. They're awesome. From Colin over there at Spike Pit, uh, and I just started listening to Logan Howard, so I'm just getting, you know, deep in the Anchorite scene uh, but I want to give you props on your choice of snacks as a DM. I, too, am a pretzel man when I'm running games. I prefer pretzel rods, not the little skinny sticks, but the big cigar-looking rods so I can sit there and hold it and pretend like it's a cigar, like I'm some evil madman genius. Keep up the great work, dude, and I'm sure you'll be hearing from me again. Peace out. Hey, Froth, it's Cody. Hey, man, really good episode. I'm really enjoying these uh, Top 3 Tuesdays you're doing. Hey, I had a question about uh, pretzels for you. When you get to the bottom of the pretzel bag, do you uh, do you do the hit of salt down there or you throw it away? I want to know what kind of man you are. 
That, that last message from Cody is so funny to me. <laughs> Every time I've listened to it, putting this together or whatever, it, it's made me laugh. So, well, first, I appreciate all uh, y'all calling in. Evil Jeff, the D100 sounds cool. I don't have one of those, so I've seen them, but um, I, I like rolling the percentile, though, but maybe I'll get one of those. I don't have a lot of trick dice, so I, I need to up my game with some of those. And then uh, Mr. Richter, appreciate you listening, so thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, you, you rattled off some good stuff there. I love the Dice Are Screaming. That is a great podcast if anyone out there hasn't checked that out. Um, those guys pick great topics and they're really knowledgeable. So I try not to miss an episode of that. And then I love the idea of a, of a, the, the pretzel cigar, but I'd probably, you know, have the added bonus, you know, I get a snack and then I kind of hold it like a scepter, you know, as I lord over my players. So, and then Cody, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't taken that salt uh, shot, you know, I don't think I make a rule of it or anything, but if there's a, you know, there's a few little shards of pretzel down in there with it. You know, I might dig in a handful and have it mostly salt in my palm and, you know, just go through with it. But as a rule, no. Have I done it? Yeah. So I don't know what that makes me. I'm not scared. I'll eat some salt. Okay. Well, let's listen to what our topics are going to be. One is from J.E. Shields. And one is from Cody M. And so let's hear what they've got to say. Hey, Jeremy. This is James. I want to say that I agree with you on the uh, percentile dice. I was first introduced to the percentile uh, in the classic Marvel role-playing game. Still love um, that system. A few things I dislike, but um, at any rate, the uh, question I have for you on the, on the percentile dice, how do you like your tens place? Do you prefer that die to be a different color? Or do you prefer it when uh, it's marked as 10, 20, 30? Um, the other two in my top three for dice, uh, one would be the five-sided die. Um, I, just something weird about that that I like. Um, and then the, the, the truncated D4. Check it out. It actually rolls. Um, truncated D4. Uh, last thing I have for you is... Top three favorite game mechanics. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, man. So for Top 3 Tuesdays, I thought it'd be cool if maybe you could tell us your top three favorite bloggers uh, since you're into them. Um, I don't know if you need to break that down into specific categories like mappers and random tables or whatnot. But, yeah, I thought that'd be a cool, interesting, uh, and maybe somewhat challenging uh, task so, all right, but take it easy. All right, that is great stuff there. I'm glad I didn't have to think all the topics myself. I don't think they would be nearly as good as what you guys came up with. So, I appreciate it. Um, first, regarding the the um, percentile dice, I, I like the 10, 20, 30 dice, you know, along with the single digit dice. In fact, I've got this, it's, I don't know why I like it so much because it's like hard to read. I've got this clear die, you know, clear dice set that's like my favorite and I like rolling those um, but uh, yeah so the topics are set here we've got 
top three game mechanics, and we've got top three bloggers. So these are ooh, big time topics. Y'all are swinging for the fences on these. Hope I can live up to them. I'm gonna start with game mechanics and then move on. Um, so first, game mechanics. Now, I thought this would be tougher than it was because it was probably about you know five or ten minutes after um, after talking after listening to your message, uh, James. I, I I had what I wanted to to go with, but there are lots of awesome mechanics. Obviously, that you know, there's lots of things that came to mind that I, I didn't use, like. Uh, like uh, character creation in Star Wars D6, I love that. Um, Siege Engine with uh, Castles of Crusades came to mind because I talked about that with Rob C recently. Insanity, Call of Cthulhu, um, even the tactical movement in 5e, I really love how they innovated on that. Um, but none of those made my top three, so. And these interesting, I, I don't know if I had like a hangover from the dice conversations, but these all kind of, well, I mean, any role-playing game, that dice are going to be a big part of the mechanics. So maybe I'm overstepping it, overstating it, the influence of it a little bit, but they all sort of have to do with dice. So my number three, the ubiquity dice pool system. So what the heck am I even talking about? Well, there's a game system, ubiquity, and... Some of the games for it, probably the most popular is a Hollow Earth Expedition. And I don't know why it's not more popular. Maybe it was because I came to it a little bit late. I bought a used copy a couple years ago, so it wasn't right when it was released. But I don't know why this game isn't more, more popular. Um, there's several systems out, um, several different games that use the ubiquity system. Something I thought maybe there's some games where they're just not that cheap on the secondhand market is what I'm, I'm thinking maybe maybe be part of it because of some of the games were like kickstarted and I think that people are maybe hold tighter you know hold on tight to their stuff if they backed it on a kickstarter I don't, I'm not sure if that's accurate or not but even on Amazon looking for some of these things these leagues of gothic horror and some of these books you know the prices are just outrageous so maybe maybe that's part of it um, I don't know Maybe there's some overlap between the crowd that likes um, Ubiquity and Savage Worlds because uh, some of the creators uh, like uh, Paul Wiggy, Wiggy Wade Williams that, that uh, has done, you know, has done a lot for Savage Worlds and Ubiquity system, but I digress. But anyway, great games, especially this Hollow Earth Expedition is awesome if you never looked at it, but the basic idea is it's a dice pool system, but the evens count as successes when you roll them. So you can pick up any dice, not necessarily like the D5, like Jay Shields is talking about, but any even numbered dice, you know, you can roll them. So I can pick up, you know, five, you know, three D6s and a couple D20s, whatever, and roll them. And your evens count as successes on it. So I just think that's just a clean, brilliant dice pool system. I think it just makes total sense. And now I'm not as big a scholar as some of the people I'm going to talk to later, as far as the blogs go, you know, I, I, so I don't know if they're something, you know, earlier that was completely based on even numbers or like a dice pool, you know, but to me it was like the flashing, blinding flash of the obvious or whatever, just a really 
you know, um, just a, a smart system that I couldn't believe hadn't been done before. And I just, I mean, so that, that's one of the things that immediately came to mind thinking of top three mechanics. I love the, you know, dice pool system with the evens counting as successes, you know, cause it doesn't really matter what dice you roll. Plus the games are cool too. Every ubiquity, uh, ubiquity thing I've seen is really cool. Again, I don't, you know, I, I follow a lot of bloggers and everything and I found one ubiquity blog and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's I, I don't know, um, what country the gentleman's from, but, um, you know, it's not even, you know, it's not an American blog and I don't see anybody talking about it around, uh, you know, around, you know, my main sphere of friends or whatever, you know? So that's my number three, the ubiquity, uh, dice pool system. Really cool stuff. Number two, I'm going with exploding dice. Yes. Exploding dice. What do, what do I mean? Exploding dice. This is where a system will have it to where if you roll the maximum on a die, you get to roll it again. And so this is probably, there's lots of games that use it, but maybe the most popular one might be uh, Savage Worlds. And uh, I, I just love it because no, no other game mechanic makes the game table feel more like uh, craps on the Vegas strip, you know, with somebody on a roll, like, like exploding dice. Like if somebody, if the dice explodes and someone rolls it again and it's going to explode again, that peaks, everybody perks up. Everybody's, well, whoa, you know, people aren't looking at their phones at that point. They want to see that dice explode again. <laughs> you know, it's like somebody on a roll shooting craps. I think that's got to be probably, is, is there, maybe someone can call in, correct me if I'm wrong. Is there a more exciting you know, die mechanic than that, as far as just when it gets rolling. The other thing that's great about it is it's kind of got a built-in limiter. So, you know, if you're rolling a D12 for damage, you're less likely to, you know, have it keep exploding. So it's kind of got that built-in balancer to it, you know, built-in limiter. You're less likely to, the dice are less likely to explode the larger ones you use. So anything with a little exploding dice, I like it. Although I will say, I think in like a later Star Wars D6, they, I'm not familiar with the later editions. I mainly, I've looked at like the re-up and, and some of that, but I mainly like the first edition or classic adventures because it's not, it's, it's a lot uh, simpler, but I think they added one to, to that that I, I probably wouldn't like. I, I don't think that game needs any more tricks, but anyway i digress again but exploding dice is my number two i'm a big fan of exploding dice like i say it gets the whole table riled up and and excited when when they start uh when someone gets on a roll so and my number three how can i not go with crits and fumbles i mean or i should say my number one how can i not go, not go with crits and fumbles I love crits and fumbles. It's you know the classic, and maybe in some ways I am pretty traditional, but uh, I love the idea of, of of something. You know, there's always that chance of something great happening and something terrible happening on the roll. And part of the reason I like it is because I like to come up with effects on the fly. It lets me kind of stretch my legs and look at the situation and and come up with something. And I don't don't just use them for for combat either, um, you know, anytime there's a 20 or a one, you know, something's going to happen and it's going to allow me to be creative right then and there. Um, 
So uh, I just, I knew my number one was going to be crits and fumbles. Uh, classic D and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let them roll their damage, you know, double damage. That's the ba- basics for, for a crit, but oftentimes there'll be something else that happens. Some really cool effect and things like that. And then watch out for the ones, you know, depending on the scenario, something really terrible can happen. I love it when, you know, they end up attack, attacking a, another party member or, you know, screwing themselves over. So I'm not, when, when I was thinking about this, there were lots of things that came to mind, but I knew my number one was going to be crits and fumbles. All right, when we come back from this quick break, we're going to get to the next two um, lists. We'll, I'll talk about my favorite bloggers, and then I'm going to get to my bucket list campaigns. Be right back. And now, a word from our sponsors. All right, welcome back. So, yeah, Cody M came with a good, a good, good one for me, the top three blogs, top three bloggers. You know, I'm not an authority on a lot of things in my life, but... I do read a ton of blogs. I feel pretty comfortable talking about about them because I, I spend a lot of time reading them, and I'm always looking for new ones. I'm always digging around in old ones, and uh, I just have a deep abiding love for them. <clears throat> and as Cody kind of alluded to, there are lots of different kind of blogs that little focus on different topics. You know, some are almost always session recaps or some are just reviews or some are um, really focused on world building or almost like creative writing. Some are more on mechanics and, you know, some are just mapper blogs or whatever. So to talk about my favorite blogs, I really have to talk a little bit about myself because, well, as you get older, self-reflection, I think, I don't know, maybe it doesn't come easier, but your tendencies and and things you like and everything, it becomes more obvious. And you see, you haven't changed that much a lot of the time from when you were little. And when I was little, I was a voracious, avid reader. still am, but my mom never hesitates to tell people that I, you know, I would go to bed with, you know, 10 to 12 books in my bed, you know, like some people would have stuffed animals. And I've always been attracted to, like, uh, I guess I'd say, I wasn't just, I didn't just like toys. I had this huge book on toy memorabilia, like the history of toys. And so I was looking at old tin toys and wind-up toys and, you know, weird, you know, stuff like that. I even bought that book again later in life when I found it. Um, I didn't just like comic strips. I had this Smithsonian massive book on the history of comic strips. So I was looking at like the yellow kid and cats and jammer kids. And I was fascinated with, with the history of things and large lists of things. Right. And this has continued like, uh, I mean with music, like I would read these huge music books, collections of albums and, and information blurbs about different musical artists when I was far younger and, uh, likewise, I, I would read the the TV guide. I would read the the HBO books. So I, I, I was aware of the plot and certain people in movies, like A Clockwork Orange or Escape from Alcatraz, movies that I didn't see for sometimes decades later. And it, it still has continued. Where I, you know, I 
I, I don't read a ton of fiction. I, I mainly read nonfiction. And so uh, I enjoy reading about like the pulp authors' lives and how the pulp books and things like that came out. Um, maybe more than I actually enjoy reading the, the pulp novels. Uh, I don't know if that... It's just the way I'm wired. Um, even like with music, I love punk music and, you know, late 70s uh, New York, um, the New York music scene. And, you know, some of, almost as fun as listening to music for me is, uh, like there's this great book called Please Kill Me that's all these interviews from that time, you know, and people in their own words, you know. So I like history. Uh, I, when I started in college, I was a journalism major. I probably should have stuck with that. I kind of sometimes... If I have some regrets in my life, that's one I, I wish I had stuck with journalism. But I ended up moving to history and then to anthropology. So I always, always enjoy history, always enjoy nonfiction, and always enjoy like the history behind things that I like, right? As well as just large lists and collections of things. <laughs> it's been that way since I, I was little, you know? So I don't know, you know, maybe that... That, that original imprint of reading the, that, those books about the history of toys or something built that into me, or maybe it was just always a tendency. I don't know. But this is a long way of saying that my favorite blogs are ones that are generally conglomerations of, of lists or deal with history because I find the history of gaming and classic games fascinating. You know, it's something I just enjoy reading about. So, um, Number three, uh, Dreams of Mythic Fantasy, but first the Underdark Gazette. And this is not so much a history blog, although you certainly can read the Underdark Gazette that way with the, uh, the, um, you know, the couple of years of uh, two years plus of solid you know, OSR releases. But just having everything in one place, he's a huge influence on me, very much influenced me doing the Hump Day Blogorama. And always a class guy as well, but I would say that just having everything in one place, a big collection of lists like that, uh, coming out weekly, that was always something that I just really responded to and loved. And uh, so uh, I've got to put James there in the number three. Number two, um, covering the history, I'm going with uh, John Peterson, playing at the World Blog. Now, John wrote the definitive best book on history of gaming it, was, it relates to D&D that you can buy playing at the world's endlessly fascinating if you care if you like history you want to hear about how different games led into role playing and the whole development all the kind of stories and influence and everything behind the original D&D you can't find anything even close to as good as playing at the world you just have to trust me on that that is a book Anyone interested in the history of D&D should own and read. Um, and it's uh, John's blog is fantastic. Um, now, John doesn't, is, is not somebody that puts out a, a post a week or something like that. You know, it's, uh, it's one that you can actually go back through the years. And if you spend a little time on it, you can read through, you know, you can read all, all of it. But so many times there are these great articles like that, you know, he'll link to articles he did on Medium and stuff. And I just read one, another one a couple of days ago um, that I'd read before, but it, it was one I wanted to read again about kind of Gygax's last days at TSR and 
and how it all went down in the boardroom and everything. And the scholarship is amazing. His writing style is fantastic. It is just a great, great blog if you're into the history of D&D in particular. So um, you can't go wrong with that. And for, for it's right up my alley. It is exactly the kind of thing that I like. So I've got to go with uh, the Playing at the World blog from John Peterson, number two. All right, and number one, was there ever any doubt based on what I've told you about my tendencies and things I've liked all my life? Grognardia. Oh, yeah, Grognardia. More than any other blog, when I got back into gaming, I was reading Grognardia. And not so much for, like, the game theory or anything like that. I like the overviews and reviews and retrospectives on the old games from the 70s and 80s. Games that I missed. You know, that, it's exactly up my alley. I mean, it's exactly what I like. It's what I like to read. It's the kind of things I like to read about any topic. And uh, I thought James did a great job with it. In a lot of ways, it's almost like the blog form of something like, uh, I've got this old book, Heroic Worlds by Lawrence Schick, that, um, you know, breaks, it's almost like an encyclopedia sort of thing of games. And so I always loved reading Grognardia, going through these old games, and then there'd oftentimes be really good comments from people that played it. Oh, yeah, I remember that game. Oh, yeah, I haven't thought about that since 1983 or what, you know, and talking about their experiences with it. That gave me so many games that I knew, oh, i got to track this down, or oh, i got to find that, or oh, I'd seen that before, I remember that. That's, you know, bringing back an old memory. And so, um, you know, though it, you know, though it hasn't been updated in years, probably never will be. Thank, thank goodness it's still online. But going to Grognardia and, and, and looking back through those old games and, you know, finding maybe a, a hidden gem from the 80s or some obscure game, you know, and some weird story behind it, I, all that stuff, I just eat it up and love it. So um, for me, those are my top three blogs. I go with, with uh, um, Dreams of Mythic Fantasy slash Underdark Gazette, Playing at the World, and Grognardia. Okay, so on to our final topic. I'm enjoying this. Uh, I hope you all are enjoying listening. And once again, I appreciate folks listening, calling in, great suggestions. Uh, th these are great topics. Um, enjoying talking about them. So, for my final topic, one that I had thought of that I wanted to talk about, uh, my bucket list campaigns. You know, campaigns that have, you know, every GM. I think any GM is going to have at least two or three campaigns that they want to run in the back of their mind while they're they're running their current game you know maybe seven eight who knows and so i wanted to talk a little bit about my top three of these now there are lots of lots of things that were you know possibilities um i do eventually want to well first of all you might assume that i want to do a call of cthulhu campaign uh given my love for that but that's one I really like to do more, just the individual scenarios. The, the campaign, I haven't had very good luck running the longer form campaigns with that. There are a lot of reasons for that. But the good news is, you know, from period about, you know, the early 80s through the, the late 80s, just about every scenario released for that game, even through third-party publishers, uh, is really good. So, um, But I, I just like it better, um, kind of episodic. Um, doing the shorter scenarios rather than the long form campaigns as great as those are to read 
and there's there's many other games um, that I, that I'd love to do campaign long long campaign with um, I, like Castles of Gig for Castle of Crusades. Luckily, I've managed to become a player in a game for that. I had this awesome idea of, for Astonishing Swordsman of doing this whole take on the D and D cartoon. So the the players are actually playing themselves. You know, they they literally go into a on a ride at a carnival and when they come out they're in hyperborea <laughs> and so part of the reason for that is that game has really like cool hybrid classes mixes of different classes so you could kind of look at everybody's personality and what they do in real life and maybe make it you know one of those classes adhere to that and plus it's one of those games where you know if you're coming in you know coming in cold to the the lore you might not i it's hard, you know, how much background are you going to give them or you know, if you're from one of the areas there, you know, it's, um, it's so alien or just so different. Uh, I like the idea of everybody coming in just like, you know, straight off the street from whatever Topeka, Kansas or, and, uh, and all of a sudden being in Hyperborea. So that, that's one I've thought about. Um, lots of other games, uh, like, uh, I even want to get back into 5e, do a dragon heist thing at some point because I've got some old AD&D Waterdeep related products and stuff to where I know I could make something special out of that. But none of those made the top three. Um, so my number three, without further ado, I want to do an East Texas University campaign for Savage Worlds. And so, uh, with the new Savage Worlds coming out, I'm back at Kickstarter, I'll have that box set in my hands at some point. And I really like the East Texas University setting, like the Pine Box setting. So I guess there was some Pine Box stuff for third edition D&D. And it's basically the East Texas University, this, this university in, in Texas where um, it's kind of got like a horror supernatural flavor, but it's maybe not, you know, it's it's maybe more PG thirteen I guess uh, it's more Scooby Doo than than you know straight up gore you know than, than maybe as bleak as uh, uh, Call of Cthulhu or something so and it's set in college so I know with my group it would be a total Animal House Revenge of the Nerds kind of thing with supernatural elements and the uh, the campaign stuff that they've got for East Texas University that I bought is really nice it's got this this whole like long campaign but at the same time all these little like one one sheet deals that you can intersperse with it and um so just the idea of the college students and the supernatural and the horror elements and using the new savage worlds for that that really gets me excited so i'm putting that at number three east texas university um savage worlds number two and now this is actually the only one that's a completely it would be something completely original on my part. It's also the only D and D one that made the top three. But I've had this idea for a long time of taking. I, I bought the Ravenloft Mask of the Red Death box set. Now this one is you know didn't ever get much popularity, but it's basically set in like the 1890s, late 1800s, and you know it's set like modern day earth but they call it the gothic earth so it's um kind of a dark late 1800s take on D, D. you know it's got firearms and different 
character options and stuff like that. Well, my idea, I also have all of the Hollow Earth stuff. Hollow World, I should say. Um, so I've got the Hollow World box set and all the adventures and supplements that came out for that. Now, that stuff's really cool, but I hate the backstory of it. I don't like, honestly, some of the Mistar stuff doesn't appeal to me, and I don't like the whole background of the the way they do the hollow world. It's got this whole tie-in with the immortals and the, the whole creation of it and the reason for it being that way. I don't like that at all. What my idea is to mash them up and have it be late 1800s, almost like a pulp feel, but more, I don't know, maybe more Sherlock Holmesy than than pulp, but uh, maybe, ha you know, but, but have it be the characters and those kind of options from Mask of the Red Death but the, they find out about the hollow earth along with maybe some cultists, um, you know, cultists among different governments, whatever. And it's, and it ties that end to where you're using the character options of mask of red death and then using the hollow world setting stuff, you know? So, um, so, you know, there are these cultures that, that split off from, you know, um, surface world cultures, and kind of developed independently, but still with lots of similarities. And there's kind of just race against time. Who's going to gain control over it? Um, so that one's been turning around in my head for years. I know I'll eventually do something with it, but I'm really lazy and, and would rather <laughs> utilize something that someone's already done all the work for me. But uh, I love that idea. Um, it's one that's, like I said, never too far away from my mind that I'm always thinking about. So at some point, somewhere down the line, I'll be doing my Hollow World Mask of the Red Death mashup. So that's my number two. And my number one, you may have already guessed it, but with the recent reprinting, the PDFs of these coming out, at some point, it's going to happen. The Enemy Within for Warhammer Fantasy First Edition. Uh, if memory serves me correct, it's like the first book I bought with my own money, or certainly one of them. I know I was buying some Garfield around that time and things like that too. Different uh, Bloom County I was really into, Farside. So I was buying stuff like that, but I also bought the Warhammer Fantasy first edition around that time. And for years, The Enemy Within has been so expensive to try to find used copies of. It's just not going to be possible. You know, and when you see somebody post a, a shelfie with, with, the, with them on it, you know, you secretly want to rob their house. <laughs> that stuff is pricey. But now, the PDF's coming out. I've made Lulu prints, the whole shebang. So, and uh, Dicer Screaming came up earlier. Uh, they're talking about doing a... A whole podcast on it because of course they've ran it they seem to have ran everything at some point um so i'm looking forward to that there's all kinds of great uh blog third-party support out for for it now someone did this whole enemy within uh enemy within companion it's like you know hundreds of pages of, of more lore and how to run it smoother and, and all this kind of thing so i've got all the tools um so down the line my number one now, any of these you could flip around on probably any given day, but right now for number one, I'm going with The Enemy Within for Warhammer Fantasy. All right, so that's what I've got for you all this week on Top 3 Tuesday. You know, I try to keep it concise, but 
I'm an abject failure when it comes to brevity, so I could have kept rolling them on any of these topics, but um, anyway, I want to give a big thank you to all the folks that called in, uh, Evil Jeff, uh, Joe Richter, Cody M, J.E. Shields, appreciate y'all, made the show a lot better. Um, next week, I got another one from Cody, and I got one from Colin Green that is totally out there from left field, like I said, uh, so that should be enjoyable. Next thing you'll hear from me is Hump Day Bloggerama. Um, if you've got any ideas for these, you want to call in on the Anchor app, or you can always email me, frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com, or use the Thought Eater blog contact form. Big shout out to my patrons backing me on Patreon. I appreciate y'all tremendously. Thank you so much. Patreon.com forward slash Thought Eater. Only a dollar a month. Always check out the blog at frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. Logan, get us out of here. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind. Boom, 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 boom.